Hello and welcome to episode three of the Floorhammer podcast, the light take on the grim dark. I am David Pettit, and I'm joined by the man who was there when Kadia fell. It's Rich O'Keefe. Hey, Rich. Hey, Dave. Do you like that one? It's pretty good. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a grim time, but uh, you know things are getting better. Yeah, still not 100 percent sure if that was a dig at you or uh, I was just implying that you're old. <laughs> but I'll take it as both. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you can uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash floorhammerpodcast. Our website, floorhammerpodcast.com. And if you like what you hear, give us a review on Google Play or iTunes. Yeah, that'd be great. So, what's coming up in today's episode? Yeah, we've got a short section on hobby progress. It's not as productive as last week, but, or last time, but we'll get to that. GW releases, there is, uh, we thought, Dave and I were talking off uh, off air about the Ideneth Deepkin coming out and buying us a bit of time to talk about more 40k stuff, and then they dropped the uh, big motherfucker on us. Yes. And uh, there's a lot to cover in that. And we get on to talking about a game played part two of the uh, ongoing Black Templars versus Orcs yeah, games that was, we've been playing. That was actually this morning, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, we managed to fit it in this morning, which is great, we're both off work. And then we're going to do a little bit of talking about uh, some narrative Necron ideas. One of the listeners made a comment on Facebook, Rob. Um, asking if we can take a bit of a, a dive into Necrons, which is great because both of us hadn't read the, the background in the codex yet. So no, that was very uh, interesting. good to get into. I'm going to go over a few ideas we've had on technology and tools that we use for making game, well, playing the game easier and smoother. And I'm going to give a bit of a hobby tip on how I do blood effects on models. Let's just jump straight in. Yeah, so as always, over these last few episodes, I've been talking about my thousand suns that I've been working on. So this week, I finished the aspiring sorcerer for the first squad i said i was going to use it as a reward after painting just uh, troops which i'm never a great fan of i like characters not so much monsters after painting that mutilith (laughs) (laughs) it just takes ages but i'm not a fan of batch painting i like painting characters um but i really want to get them on the on the table so yeah you uh see through the squad all right yeah it does help doesn't it to have something to look forward to I'm looking forward to playing with them. So we said we were going to have a thousand points coming up soon. Project versus project. Project versus project, exactly. So uh, I actually laid out my thousand points. Saw that I've only got three more models to paint. That's a lot less than I have. Yeah. <laughs> One of which was the um, aspiring champion, uh, aspiring sorcerer, I should say, who's the the sergeant of the troop squad. So he's he is finished. I painted four troops, four Rubik Marines from the five-man squad. So, so that's all your Rubik Marines done now, then? All the the actual Marines, yes. So not sorcerers. Yes, so yep. I've got the second aspiring sorcerer, who's I've undercoated. And then big man himself, Faraman. Nice. Yep, so he's going he's gonna to be finishing off my thousand points. This thousand point list... Oh, tell a lie, actually. I remodelled because we're going to Warhammer Fest in a few weeks' time. Oh, yes. And I was going to pick up the Osiren Contempt Dreadnought, I think it's called. It's the oh, Thousand Suns. so cool. It looks awesome. It's the Thousand Suns specialised Contempt to Dreadnought from Forge World. So I was going to pick one up for free postage and backing. Always, nice. always a win. Um, well, at 12% of the price of the model, it's definitely a win. Exactly. Yeah, so I'll, I'll pick one up from Warhammer Fest. And he'll go into the 1,000 points, and I'll, I'll drop Araman down to an Exalted Sorcerer, etc., etc. Because of that, I've actually put two Chaos Spawn into my list, which is controversial. Their rules on the surface, as long as I don't get shot at, they're fine. <laughs> In combat, they're beasts. Well, probably literally. I, I think know. you <laughs> want to hope that people focus on your 
troops as targets and then the, the spawns can get stuck in. On the flip side, if they're a shooting chaos spawn instead of my demon prince, my mutilith, my rubic marines, then I yeah. can't complain but too much. But you didn't spy the box set of spawn, did you? No, no, no. So I rooted, I, th- I mean, I speak about this every episode, but my tomb kings, rooting through my tomb Rest kings. <laughs> and found two, well, three, they could be sepulchre stalkers. Sepulchre? Sepulchre. I don't know. Yep, one of them. One of them. So well, the, they are basically the snakes, the bone snake. They look ridiculously cool. And I'm. It's one. they're one of the models that I think I'm saddest that the Tomb Kings lost. Like, the chariots were looking a bit old and not so great. But those guys and the big Necro Sphinx thing. Oh, the Shanty right, were yeah. cool as well, but they were always like metals or fine casts. Because those were plastics, those sepulchral stalkers. And it's, yeah. it sucks that they're gone. Yeah, I mean, they were. They look cool. They were plastic kits. Like, the Necro Sphinx was a plastic kit. Or the, yeah. yeah, so I think they'll, they'll, they'll fit in nicely as a summoned spawn with, with the theme that you're going for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I can either have them. Um, as part of my army, or I can have them as summoning units. Some of the um, psychic powers and uh, boons turn people into Chaos Spawn. Yeah, and you and have to have the have model and the points set aside, yeah. yeah. Obviously, I've never played played the Thousand Suns, so I don't know if they're going to work or not. I've done a base concept. Oh, cool. Like they're popping out of the sand. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll spread them back down and paint them up in the sort of bluish colour scheme of the Thousand Suns to tie them all in. But uh, that is all I did for Hobby Progress this week. So although it sounds like a lot, which is usually a lot for me, it's not not so much in the uh, the last few weeks. Kind of hard pressed to rival last time when you smashed out like more than half the army in two weeks. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> on a proper proper hobby high. Yeah, I've been a little less productive than you, but I've been on holiday for a week. So you know, family holiday. Don't get a huge amount of time for for hobby, but I did take some stuff with me. I managed to finish painting my Nurgling bases. Yep. Which was great. They're just such cool models. I really love them. They're just mental, basically. The, the little mod- because they're all like dancing and capering around, climbing on each other. It's, I'm really impressed how they've done them in like layers, the models, so they look like they're climbing over the next layer. So in sort of three layers. Oh, they're not all sort of one... No, they're not all one one moulding. There's like a front, a middle and a back section. You can mix and match them and they're like climbing on top of each other oh. and pulling each other's guts out and all sorts of nice and they all look a bit manic so no they're, they're, they were really fun to paint i only did three i might do some more because they've got cool rules and, and i like the models but i uh, also managed to assemble 30 plague marines which was a bit of a chore i've only got 10 more to do now but because i was on holiday i was kind of relaxed so it was all right just sitting there scraping mold lines whilst the tv's on etc so yeah you were the one that chose i know i know <laughs> I know what I did to myself, but that'll be once the ten more are done. That's my whole thousand points built, and the painting, as you've we've discussed before, and you've seen the models. They're they're really quick and easy. So you got another sixty for two thousand? Hell no! no. I'm <laughs> gonna ally some Death Guard in. I think for two thousand because one, the models are cool, and two, I don't want to do any more plague bearers. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> well, the, the Death Guard <clears throat> models are awesome as well. So yeah, that's true. And I did a bit of um, background reading as well. Which was cool. We, we, we said we were going to do the, the Necron bit, so mm. um, I did some background reading on the Necrons. Also on some of the, some of the other armies, I thought I'd just take a bit of time to, to read some Learn, learn the rules. So, uh, yeah, they're very funny, <laughs> thank you. And um, I don't know if it counts as hobby progress, but I started to really get into the new Dan Abnett Majos book. Oh, the, the new Eisenhorn. new Eisenhorn one, yeah. It's a compilation of all the short stories and then the new Eisenhorn stories. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm going to class that as hobby progress. Yeah, perfect. All right, do you want to get on to talking about the GW releases? Yeah, there's there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, so what have we got? 
I think we'll get first on to uh, what you really, really want to talk about, and it's not the FAQ. It's uh, after your uh, on and on and on rant last time about Alpharius, they've now shown the uh, Alpha Legion Narian Terminators. Yeah, oh, they, the detailing on these guys is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like, all of the Forge World, like, so I love the Forge World 30k stuff, I'm, uh, or Heresy, what it, Horus Heresy, whatever you want to call it, but... I'm never going to play the game because it doesn't interest me that much, but the models are nice. But these guys are, like, off the charts on as far as detail is concerned because, like, all the little scales carved into the armour. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. The the helmets, they've got sort of crested helmets with sort of drakes built in. I mean, we've got them on the screen in front of us and we can see it. And we were just both... I mean, yeah, I'm lost for words now. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really awesome and... I mean, if you're doing an Alpha Legion army in 40k, there's no reason not to use the models and maybe rework some of the weapons. Or, you know, if you're playing in a casual group, say Count Saz, because they look ridiculously cool and they're so themed over the like the plastic option. But I think they'd be a really good take. A lot of the Horus Heresy stuff works seamlessly in 40k anyway. I mean, these are just Chaos Terminators. You yeah, just I give mean, them different weapon options. That's yeah. the thing. It's the weapon options trying to match them up. You could slap a couple of bolters on... To, or I suppose combi bolters for chaos to make up what the weapon should be, but I, again, I think most of the time, friendly terms, you can lose those call axes the models comes with. If yep. as long as you've got a bolter, it's clearly a shooty terminator, i.e., storm bolter, power fist, because those are your those are your options. So, yeah, no, I think they they, they look really awesome. Yes, I think that was it for uh, Games Workshop releases, wasn't it this week? Uh yeah, yeah. Or oh, there could be that massive thing that's turned the internet upside down. Well, the the, the hobby related internet upside down, which is the FAQ. Did you see the the community post that oh. they did? The fans that are looking for the FAQ and then their servers when the FAQ launched, and it's like <laughs> it's like a world being detonated. I, w- I watched the uh, live reveal on Facebook actually, and they were just talking, and then someone whispers in their ear, "Oh, by the way, the servers have gone down." <laughs> so many people going to the community side. Yeah, it, it... which I think is a good thing. Like. I mean, it shows the active interest in it, and the people were, you know, asking for it. So. Yeah, I mean, you've got Kim Kardashian and the 40k <laughs> FAQ pretty much breaking, broken the internet. Breaking the internet, but my god, it flips. I mean, oh, yeah. it doesn't affect us too much competitively because obviously we're not competitive, competitive players. But I mean, even our game today, we I have a battalion. And, yeah, uh, you had, oh, you had command points coming out of your ears. Yeah, I mean, do you want to sort of start yeah, off with so that Yeah, I mean, one? I suppose that's the one we can start with is the command point increase. For battalions, it goes from 3 to 5, which is great. Yep. Uh, brigade 9 to 12, so if you're playing guard or some yeah. Eldar maybe. But um, I mean, not a lot of people are taking brigades because filling out the other, the other non-troop slots costs a shed load of points it is a lot easier for those sort of horde armies yeah anything with anything with cheap units in the things like fast attack and heavy support that let you do that yeah but i think that the three to five for the for the battalion is really good you know personally i again talking about the nurgle project that i'm working on i was i now don't have to add a battalion of death guards to make sure i've got lots of command points because the nurgle battalion gives me that i can just bolt on the cool stuff that i want to take and don't have to worry so much about leaking command points i mean um, from from a game point of view i can suddenly use stratagems that i didn't have to oh well i couldn't use before i yeah, mean I mean, all of my command points were used for re-rolls or the occasional interrupting combat yeah i think it just gives you 
it lets you use another, like a two-point stratagem is, is now added, basically. Yep. Or it lets you do a three-point stratagem and not feel like you're using half your command points. Because yes. I did the orbital bombardment in one of our games before, and it's it was so utterly dull. rubbish, but it cost <laughs> me three command points. So yeah, I think, I think those are going to help out, have just more options to use the cool stratagems, which is more fun so i'm all for it yeah i mean the, the way they they sort of uh, sold it as part of the facebook live event was they were trying to sort of reward expensive armies that struggled points wise to fill out the battalion they were trying to sort of give them a, a better incentive to, to do it to fill it out so going from three to five command points they've suddenly got eight command points to play with um, and it's, a, it's a big incentive over just four yeah. So, like, if you take, like, a Vanguard or something like that. Then, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the one that they mentioned with the Custodes, because they're so expensive per model. If you filled out a battalion, that's pretty much most of your army. Hot, yeah. Yeah. Already done where there's uh, some marine armies are cheaper than Custodes, because they're, they're not Terminator-based. Yeah. And they can put an extra, maybe one, maybe two detachments on top of that battalion to get the extra command points, whereas... Custodes couldn't they don't have that choice, yeah. Exactly. So I think it does benefit them. Obviously, it benefits the cheaper armies even more than they were already, but it's something you can't please everyone. Yeah, I do wonder if it leads to a change for the Drakari because they get their, their special thing is they get four command points if they take three or more detachments. So they were taking lots of patrols to do that. Yes. Now you might as well just take a battalion and then a detachment of so a battalion of cabal and then a detachment of witches. Or something yeah, like I have that. a feeling so, it's only if you take three patrols. Oh, is it three patrols? Okay, specifically, three patrols. Yeah. So maybe they change that for the Dark Elder in the future, sorry, Dakari in the future to give them more incentive to to follow that path again. Maybe. But, who knows? So I, don't, other... I don't know if they had that rule in mind when they were releasing the FAQ or how, how far apart these I mean, were. it was literally just after the Drakari release, so maybe they'll give it a while and see what people are taking. And They'll be in Iraq. Yeah, maybe, in, maybe anyway, chapter so. approved next time around sets it straight for them. Who exactly. knows? I didn't get to try it today, but the smite change is one that I'm a big fan of. Yes. Um, in that game I played Nick, we, we test, it was a beta rule, so we, we tested it. And it didn't seem to cause any problems. I mean, there wasn't that much smiting going on. The the armies like Thousand Sons for you that depend on it for their um, aspiring sorcerers, because mm-hmm. of the Brotherhood rule, they get to always cast it on the five. So you can use your characters first and then, then go with your units afterwards without a massive penalty. So I, I like how they balanced it that way, because they could, could have inadvertently screwed Thousand Sons and Grey Knights, but they've... Yeah, I mean, because the aspiring sorcerers, uh, so essentially the rules are um, if you've got Brotherhood of Sorcerers, which is Thousand Sons, or Brotherhood of Psychers, which is Grey Knights, um, any characters with those or any Psychers with those special rules, they don't increase per smite. However, both of them have reduced powered smites. Yeah, which I think is why they, they did it as a balancing thing. And, and yeah. like... I like that it's an increase, so each time it's cast, the target casting warp charge goes up by one. Even if you fail. Even if you fail, and it's not, it's an attempted manifest, yeah. and every time, and it's not a minus to the result. So if you're still looking for rolls of an 11 or 12 to get the D6 smite for, for characters, for example, or other people's psychers, um, I think it's, it, it's really good because they could have made it a minus to the result, and then it would mess with how being able to get that bonus so i think it's nicely balanced and it feels easy just to add one each time and you just count the number of times you've smited and add it onto the casting value and then you it's easy to keep track of 
Yeah, I mean, I think it tops out at some, uh, a cast of 11, but who the hell's got that many psychers in their army anyway? Uh, well, yeah, not many. <laughs> well, no, nobody that we play anyway. Yeah, not not the ridiculous list that were taking that Chaos Sorcerer for 40 points that was from oh. Forge World or whatever, and all the people with the infinite number of primary psychers from Imperial Guard. I think they kind of put a kibosh to all of that nonsense now. Yeah. I mean, uh, they waited until after Adepticon. Yeah, which to... was sensible. Yep. Didn't please everybody, but so it went never from would it go from March to April, and um, because of that, yeah, yeah, they made it clear that it's to make the game more fun to play, which I'm all well, most people are all for, and I think that the the fun aspect is is what they're really trying to drive. I mean, they're changed to the the beta rule for the next one about the the deep strike, where on turn one you're only going to be allowed to deep strike reserves into your own deployment zone. And not your opponents or or the neutral territory. It is another which effort we to make today. it fun. Which we 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 played that today, and it worked out quite well. Actually, made you consider your Terminator deep striking, and I, I think that it stops that alpha strike nonsense of holding everything so your opponent can't shoot it, and then smashing their face in your first available turn. I mean, I faced. I remember playing a game years ago where a, a Space Wolf player had like nine drop pods against me, and, and I spent my entire mm-hmm. first turn with not anything to do, and it was. Not fun. Yeah, I mean. So they're, 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 again, they're trying to every time something crops up that's not fun, they're trying to remove that play style from the game, which I think is great. Games against your friends and casual games, I don't think it makes a huge difference because you're going to play to have fun anyway. But it means for you, like your drop-in games at the shop or your local club, it's great because it, it's going to remove people's want to to do those cheesy things because you're, you're not really allowed to do it anymore. So. Yeah, I think related to that as well, uh, I think you sort of touched on it, half the army must start on the table. So you yeah. can't play that game where nothing starts on the table. Yeah, and it's done on power levels as well and not unit numbers because people were taking super cheap character units and things to count as the units on the table. Then their powerful stuff was in reserve. Now you've got to, you've got to balance it out. Which yeah, so it's great. actually got to be a, a percentage of your army points yeah. or power level. Um, I think wise. these are the these are the big topics that they addressed in the the because the community the community article went on top of the FAQ to kind of like highlight the key changes or the, the changes that people are most interested in. But yep. you know, there's a few more that snuck in there. There were some points increases. Yep. Um, I'm as a, a Ultramarines fan and an owner of the Robert Gulliman model. I'm glad he's gone up in points. Yes, he he's he was incredibly ridiculous. powerful. It's to the point now where I think I'm going to finish up the model. So that I can use it in a game and not feel like I'm mugging my opponent off because my army isn't really built to capitalize on it that much. And now his points have gone up to, to balance him out a bit. I think he's a much more fair choice, which is great because you want to use those models and not feel like a jerk, basically. Yeah, so he's up to 400 points now, which... Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think he probably will end up creeping up a little more to be like on par with Mortarian and Magnus, but mm-hmm. it's certainly a right step in the right direction, as is the bump for Dark Reapers. I mean, oh, well, I've never that was, had to... That crying out. I've never had to face that wall of reaper launchers wherever their guns are called but you know taking 30 or 40 of them and just obliterating your opponent is one not fun and two a dying race where they're the elite unit does not feel so thematic for me to have an army of these (laughs) turn up and and, and ruin your day yeah i mean their their, uh, administorum is is doing well (laughs) yeah i mean and and also i suppose to go with that the hive tyrant prices went up which was good well the the flying hive tyrant specifically i think that was direct result of adepticon yeah i mean people with nine ten Tyrants, yeah, you know, nine commanders does not make an army. This isn't Star Trek where the whole bridge crew deep strikes in or teleports into to deal with any situation, you know. To negotiate. Yeah, it's, 
<laughs> that and the the Tau commander that, that was that was that before people were taking eight commander Tau time, yeah. commanders. It, it's not necessary. And the new proposed no more than three of for non troops or dedicated transports. You wouldn't have an entire army of yep. one thing. I mean, you, you shouldn't really. I mean, there are situations like space hop boardings and stuff. They only send terminators, but for a general battle, which is what games of forty k are supposed to represent, especially in matched play where it's not necessarily story driven. I think it's a great balance. If you want to do it in a story-driven game, then you play a narrative game and don't worry about it. Related to that one as well, you've got the restriction on soups. So this is killing some strange soup detachments. I think the the key was it was detachments, not armies, I believe, uh, where you can't have the keyword Chaos, Imperium, Eldari, Yunari, or Tyranids tying up units together. So you can't have... Um, custodes flying commanders with Imperial Guard troops and Space Wolf, Thunder Wolf cavalry in the same detachment just uh, because they've got the Imperium keyword. Yeah. So I think they were trying to get rid of that. I mean, I've not come across that specifically. I mean, I've come across inverted commas, Imperial soup lists where they've got a detachment of well, yours. Well, our last game. Grey Knights, before, yeah. a detachment of Death Watch, and a detachment of Space Marines. Yeah, makes sense from a as, as long point as you're not playing a dickhead. You're uh, sorry, about that, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I did lick you in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, as long as you're not playing someone like that, that is fine. You've got Space Marines assisting Imperial Guard in the fluff all the time. Oh, sorry. The Astra Militarum in the fluff all the time. So, so we can say Imperial Guard. We don't work for Workshop. Yeah, <laughs> they must get really annoyed by that. Uh, I'm people sure have did. been like twenty year veterans just frustrated. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're constantly calling the, the Drukari the uh, Dark Elder on yeah. the stream and the Eldari. It's the impossible to get away from. I think. Yeah. So those were the the major topics that the community team called out. But I I did notice a couple of little extra changes they slipped into the rulebook. If you actually go in and look at slipped the full on your reading glasses. Thank you, Dave. Not that old. I just, you know, pinch zoom on the screen so the text gets bigger. You go in to actually look at the FAQ PDFs that they give, and thankfully, every time they do a new edition, they highlight the changes for that edition in pink, so that you can read them, which is great. But the the things that I, I noticed is they've now changed the reinforcement rules so that units that arrive by reinforcement cannot move for any other reason after they've arrived. So I think a lot of people were... The classic one, or the, the classic is warp time, so from Chaos or for Dark Hereticus discipline, so people would deep strike their demon princes in, or summon them, or they would use Terminators, Chaos Terminators, and then they would fly up behind them with some form of Psyker, uh, and then warp time them to get a free move, so that their charge was almost guaranteed. Yep. And they're just putting a stop to that now. Yeah, I mean, again, it stops those games where someone has a alpha strike yeah. and completely wipes off your army. I mean, yes. you've got a demon prince that drops on, drops in with his malefic talons. He warp times himself, gets in, screws up your elite unit. Great. You've just bought yeah. a unit and say if the guy is a an idiot and they use two or three of these demons, they can do one a turn. Yeah, there's all sorts of just... unfun shenanigans that they've taken out, which is which would, you know is, is, is a great thing to, to see. And the other one that really caught my eye was... Units that get to fight more than once. So I'm thinking things like Corn Berserkers. Yep. Can no longer charge into a unit, uh, murder it. Well, they, they, can, they can still do that, and they will. Uh, <laughs> but then they can't consolidate into a unit behind and then butcher that unit because they didn't declare a charge against it. So they've clarified... It's not that Warhammer the, Fantasy. No, the, the second line of troops 
they can't fight again against them if they didn't declare a charge against them. They can tie them down, but they can't fight them again. They can tie them down. Um, they can tie them down and force them to fall back next turn, because you're going to want to against Corn Berserkers. But the Ultramarines. Oh, yeah, they're going to fall back and shoot, so it's not a problem. But uh, <laughs> it's just, not. It's just again, it's not punishing people for putting their units too close together, and you're having to have the three-inch consolidate gap between your first line of bubble wrapping and all that sort speeds of speeds up the game as well. Yeah, it, it speeds up the game and removes the arguments over what can and can't happen. So I'm glad they kind of slipped those things in. It, it makes it a lot simpler. There are some more refined changes, but if we if we just covered the FAQ updates, we'd be here all day. But I mean, generally, I think it's been fairly well received. There are a couple of people griping because their armies are going to suffer from from one or two of the changes. But again, like you said, just adapt, adapt your yeah. adapt your list and adapt the way you play. And in the end, it's all being done for the purpose of more fun. So I really can't complain about that. I'd like to say. All armies have more than one way of playing them. Yes. With the exception of some that are specifically geared to a specific tactic, like Gene Steeler Cults, Cult Ambush, but then they... They allowed them to carry on doing that. Exactly. As the exclusion, yeah. Because that's their jam. Yeah, they can they can come into your deployment zone turn one and not face that restriction, so... And if you're solely relying on on that tactic, then I think you're playing it wrong. In the yeah, and I just, they just seem to be removing all the single-minded linear tactics from the game to kind of make it a bit more varied and tactical, which, from a well, from everybody's perspective, should be an improvement for the game. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's enough about the FAQ. Especially it's getting a bit too sort of into it and competitive. Yeah. Do you want to uh, move on to our next topic? Yeah. I mean, we got a Facebook request from Rob Bailey to yeah. talk a bit more about the Necrons after our brief discussion of the, the Codex last time. And just uh, some ideas about how we could use them in narrative games or how we would use them in narrative games. So Dave and I had a kind of a chat about... Well, we both went away and read the Codex. Very interesting. Um, not the whole thing, cover to cover. But the <clears throat> I found it, the intro se- uh, sequence, the intro parts of the Codex really good because they gave a great background flavour for, for Necrons. And I haven't... I used to have a Necron army like 10 more years ago under 3rd Ed Codex, maybe? I don't know. It was a while, it was a while ago. I mean, it was 4th. But they still phased out back then. <laughs> uh, so th- they had a vastly different background from what they have now. There's a lot more flavor and interest to them now mm. they've talked about all the different dynasties and the characters are coming through rather than just being mindless robots they've now got character which i hadn't really realized but yeah as i say just reading the intro sections of the of the codex really gave a great idea of how much the story's been developed while i haven't really been paying attention to them so we, we sort of talked about how we could do some army theming around some of the different aspects of the necrons yes uh, the, the first one that pops up to everyone's mind is the and I suppose this is the old school view of the Necrons is that massive host of warriors and immortals and the unrelenting horde of of robots. It's a quintessential old school view of Necrons that they're just this implacable advancing phalanx of warriors that's that you, there is no escape from. Which I think is cool. Like I know they've got more character now, but I still like that idea that you just cannot escape them. They will keep coming. They will kill you. Yes, I mean, they they are basically the undead of the 40k universe. They pop back up. I mean, rules-wise, they do pop back up, and it's highly frustrating. But that that is all part of the, the Necron lore, and it's brilliant. It's frustrating when you're playing against it, but the actual... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's less brilliant. frustrating than it used to be. Yeah. The rules used to be worse. Now they've they balanced that. That sort of army of a host of warriors really does led by overlords and maybe a, a sprinkling of some, some elite units, really does bring back the old image of just the, the no-escape yeah. army. Well, which, like you said, it's like the unrelenting <clears throat> yeah. phalanx it's cool. marching towards you. 
Yeah, and uh, and then some of the other ideas were looking at some of the special units. So they give a lot more background on the special units. So I thought what was cool was the tomb spiders and the wraiths and the scarabs are like described as the early awakeners when a tomb world comes back to life. Yes, because they're there to to caretake the awakening of the other of the other necrons. And I thought it would be cool to have like an army themed around that, where they are the your army is the first line of defense that the tomb world has against any invaders because it's it's those that are already awake or are just awakening. Yeah, I mean they they sort of tend to the the crypts, don't they? Yes, and they wake up and make sure all their protocols and their engrams are in place and yeah. waking up as as they do. Plus, was... aesthetically, they kind of look similar now. The tomb spiders and the wraiths because the wraiths used to be. Do you remember the wraiths used to be those really tall? thin models with like the surgical scalp hands yeah those 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 guys now that they're a bit more tied in with the the tomb spider look yeah they look like the spiders with longer tails don't they more sort of snake like some some more detailing on them but yeah they're fantastic now yeah so i think that a rules wise they've gotten much better and more playable now so you could actually build you could actually now build an army around that i think and not be penalized by the rules which is always a massive bonus whenever you can build a fluff list that isn't a, a downside for you yeah well the other the other aspect that we thought was cool was the like the once they're awoken you've got the overlord that run you know the overlords that are running the the necron army you know, they're the commanders and having them and their like loads of praetorians just like their personal bodyguards oh, the lit- or the, and the lich, lich guards, guards and yeah. the, i think that that'd be cool to have them and their their personal bodyguard what you know just uh, a unit at least in the army yeah a unit or a couple of them to sort of they they pick a part of the battle. I mean, it's described as like they pick a part of the battlefield where they need to intervene the most, and yep. that's where they that's where they go down and and, and start fighting where the, where the where the fighting is thickest. Basically, I think that'd be a cool theme for another army as well. They are just cool. Really. Yeah, and then and the codex also speaks of like the I suppose you want to say them not relics, but like the really specialized, really highly prized technological weapons of like the monoliths. I think it's the Doomsday Arcs. Yep. With a massive, massive gun. It's the it's the ghost dark, it's the ghost dark transport but upside down. Yes. So it has just one massive gun. And the Tesseract arcs that are the ones that you can either build it with the katan inside or closed up. Yes, it's the obelisk um, or the yes, Tesseract Vault. Tesseract yes. Vault, that's it. And uh, I think that that would be cool to have an army focused around having a couple of those at its core. And having them as like the the rolling out of the high tech weapons and and then and the really like ancient stuff that they don't have much of, um, so you wouldn't obviously have loads of them. But then I think they're quite a lot of points. I think they are, yeah. Well, they're so they cool the sort of like big a... heavy support options for the Necrons anyway. So yeah. there are other aspects to the Necrons, more so towards the sort of the fast fast attack slots. I mean, you've got the Tomb Blades and the Night Sides. So the Night Sides is a big um, croissant. <laughs> Nightsides and the Doom Flyers. Yeah, it was a lot to remember. Nightsides. The, the, the two flyer no. options, basically. But the, the Nightsides are the teleporter ones where they're a transport vehicle, but they're not a transport vehicle in the normal terms because the, the guys are back at the Tomb World and they jump through the portal in order to exit onto the battlefield. They've got the the night sides and the doom sides. Oh, well remembered. Yes, they're, they're the two croissant <laughs> flyers. Um, yeah, so an army themed around the sort of the fast attack options. I mean, you can always throw in the uh, the destroyers as well. Yeah, I think they got uh, their their HQ got a lot better with the destroyer lord, didn't yeah, they? So, so you can have an army themed around them now, and they are they look really cool. They look really menacing as well because they're supposed to be a bit crazy, aren't they? The yeah, the the, 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 the mines that got put into the the destroyers. 
Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, because because they've got an HQ, um, you can make a viable army um, just of destroyers, which would look cool. I mean, once you get up to bigger bigger point values, it might uh, lose its flavour a bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you could always just do a detachment of some a detachment based around that, and a detachment of warriors as like the core. So you've got your kind of stable core and then your fast moving stuff to go around the flanks i mean it's thematic and, and again it would look cool yeah or uh, you've got the heavy destroyers as well which are the sort of immortal guns on. yeah and you can now put them in the actual units as well like every third one or something or fifth one can be upgraded to be the the heavy destroyer so it's yeah, good you don't have the to heavy have a... heavy gauss cannon yeah you've also got flayed ones so i know um our friend dan um, attempted this at some point uh, in his tomb, uh, tomb Kings. I've got them on the brain. There's Necron army, sorry. Um, and yeah, he had a, a load of flayed ones. He was making a flayed one army. Um, I can't remember his sort of theme of why they were they were coming back. I think they were. Oh, wasn't of, it to do with a, a computer virus or something? Like yeah, some sort of technological virus that that, that sent them over the edge. So he came up with the idea and he was, he was building them. So that that is a, another option. And, of course, you've got the special characters. So you've got the different dynasties. So you've got the Saltek and Novok, etc., etc. Um, but you've also got the special characters, so you can sort of read up on the special characters. So, I mean, for example, you've got, uh, is it Nemesaur and Oberon? So the Lord and Bodyguard, or the two Lords, uh, they're part of the Saltek dynasty, and you can sort of build an army around them leading their, their troops into battle and then you tie that in with the, the different army special rules and their special rules and yep. from there you can make a fluffy list that can actually do really well I mean yeah and I think the I think their general troops are very efficient anyway I mean all their guns are minus one AP well their normal Necron guns minus one AP and the Immortals can take the heavy version of that the Gore's Cannon or whatever it's called so I think that yeah they give you the ability to make the flavour through your other choices yeah, there are a lot of options uh, in the fluff of the Necrons. Well, I was actually quite not surprised, but um, I was really interested because I've, like yourself, never really sort of paid attention to the Necron fluff being it's always Chaos and Imperium and other elements occasionally um, end up on the scene. But the Necrons is quite surrounded in mystery. I have read it, Last Man Standing, the Deathcore novel, and that is Deathcore versus Necrons. Oh, cool. And... Necrons are freaking scary. The concept, the, yeah. If you get the the you, know, you get the movie marine idea right of a, of a movie Necron, I suppose it's basically the Terminator. Yeah, it's not the the time traveling flesh one, but where they go to the future and they are the the killer death robots with the high tech weapons that look terrifying and yeah, yeah I mean, wouldn't, there's, there's wouldn't one... think for a second before killing you. That's that's the idea. Is that the, the, the so the the background of like them essence transferred into the machines mm. and the necron warriors and the immortals are the people who basically were poorer essentially and ended up in a lesser quality body that doesn't really remember what life was like before so they are kind of that mindless automaton that doesn't show it's never going to show any form of emotion because it's it's just purpose to fight and kill yeah i mean the, the background to the necrons is it was it the uh the necron tier were a, a race and they were they were in a endless war with the old ones yeah and, and the Catan kind of conned them into being transferred into these robot forms in order to be immortal yeah from there they actually turned on the Catan, which killed off these big powerful space beings and the Catan we get in 40k are literally shards of these great gods but uh, yeah, they were based loosely, I think, on the uh, Egyptian 
them a hierarchy with the yep. Pharons, I think what they were called. Yes, which, very uh, close to Pharaoh. Yeah, uh, not stepping on anyone's toes, but... Like you said, the poor, the poorer became the standard warriors, and then yeah. obviously, if they were higher up in society, they got to be elite's choices. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think like that that background flavor lends itself to not just building an army, but how you play the game. I think nothing would be cooler than doing a mission if you had a Necron army, than doing a mission based around the way the Necrons behave. So yeah, we having... actually came up with two concepts, didn't we? Yeah, so narrative games. Do you want to sort of go through your? Yeah, so, so my first thought was on like the protection of their tomb world. So either have like a a tomb entrance location on the battlefield and have the mission set up so that the Necrons are obviously defending that tomb entrance and whichever invading force has come there to ransack it if they're Imperials or or dig for the technology or destroy it if it's the Eldar and, and have them you know, try to get to the location and maybe have it as something that can be destroyed and the Necrons have to defend it. Or to have sort of like your objectives as mineral caches or something that the invaders would be interested in taking, some technology. Mm. And again, the Necrons are there to defend it. Yeah. Which which is kind of like how you could play the mission out. But then you had a good idea about how you can make the Necrons play style feel like the Necrons. Yeah, so... Uh... The, the way I sort of came up with it, I thought about, well, what if the Necrons were actually awakening? I don't know how quickly Necrons wake up. But uh, essentially, I was going to start the board off with the Necron player controlling the first line of reserves, like you said earlier, the and the spiders, the wraiths, the little scarab beetles. And essentially, it was going to be like reserves. So on a sort of a five up, you roll for each unit on a five up on turn one, that they turn up. On a four up on turn two, the so like the old, like the old reserve system used to be, where it escalates as the game goes essentially, on. Essentially, and you start from turn one. I thought, well, how would you work objectives into that? And I thought maybe we, if you have narrative style objectives that actually give you plus one to those dice rolls. So if a tomb spider is working on this objective, it gives you plus one to a roll. So on turn one, you actually need a four plus. Just waking the necrons up faster. Exactly, exactly. And it also balances out the game because if you've got this massive army attacking the necrons and it's just like a couple of spiders and... Yeah, they're going to get killed. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's all, it's all playtesting and, and see, yeah, see I mean, what you, works, but be a good to, be a good start. I thought that'd be a quite a good concept for yeah, a, a I narrative think, game. I think that aside from just doing... I mean, if you really wanted to go the extra mile, you could even build like a piece of terrain would be cool to like have a sunken entrance that is the entrance to the tomb world that is the the, the primary objective or some sort of sort of pa- cool power units or, or glowing crystals to be the objective markers yeah i mean you've got the the necron pylons from forge world yeah they're they're reasonably affordable for the small ones the, the bigger ones not not so much yeah well if you're getting into six objectives <laughs> well i wouldn't <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't want six, you'd want like one themed objective. But uh, and if you're a real money bags, you've got the, the Realm of Battleboard tile, the Necron themed one. Oh, which... doesn't it have like a docking station for the it has a docking station for, for the monolith or something like that? <laughs> uh, it's, it's crazy, but it's ridiculously priced. It does look well. cool. Yeah, I mean if if you've got the money and you've themed and uh, space maybe as well, because that thing's gonna weigh a ton if it's made of resin. Yeah, I mean you can always use it as a display board for your, yeah, your Necron army when it's in storage as well. Just as quick and easy you're... armies on parade for next year then Dave. Yeah, as long as your spouse <laughs> is happy with, with it being on show. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but right. uh yeah no that that was that was our thoughts on 
how to sort of narratively play the Necrons and concepts for games played. Yeah, and thanks for the suggestion, Rob, if you're, if you're listening to this, because I would not have read that opening parts of the Necron Codex and, and read that background without a prompt. So, yeah, it was really good to get into. Yeah. And speaking of narrative games, uh, should we get into our, our Black Templars versus Orcs round two? Yeah, so you said it was round two. So round one was essentially... Black Templars versus Orcs, and your Orcs were attacking a shrine or chapel that the Black Templars were currently located in. Yeah, you, it was your idea to play this mission, uh, I remember last time, and you took your inspiration from the sort of Hell's Reach background. Didn't go so well for the Black Templars in that game? No, uh, I mean, as a summary, the Reclusiarch was holding the chapel, um, and a big, mean, <laughs> green... Uh, war boss came and drowned him. him across the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, after, after absolutely flicking away the champion. Yes, for that crusade. So uh, yeah, the orcs absolutely overran the Black Templars after a very valiant defence. I have to say. Oh yeah, of course. But yeah, they were they were they were cut down. Yeah. So essentially, the setup for this game was. And Helbrecht himself, was obviously a very important shrine world, was coming to quash this orc invasion. He had the big, mean, green war boss in his sights, going to try and take his head if it was the last thing he did. Well, yeah. obviously saving the chapel, but definitely killing the war boss. Yeah, I mean, that, that's why I think that led to our choice of mission. We, we took the Eternal War, it's called Dominate and Destroy, from Chapter Approved. And I suggested this as the mission to Dave because I thought the opening statement on describing the mission was was key. Uh, Sometimes it is not enough to simply defeat your enemy. Rather, you must humble them utterly, seizing control of the battlefield as though it is yours by right and smashing any foe foolish enough to challenge you aside. Or something. Yes. I thought that it was it was it was great because they're they're not just coming to take back the, the temple at uh, the chapel they they're coming to get some serious retribution cleansing that xenos filth yeah and, and the mission is uh, so it's a uh, you get a victory point for holding the objective or an objective every turn and you every get a victory turn. point for kill points as well so for ki- destroying a unit so it really captures the taking back the chapel and murdering the orcs in in, in one foul swoop yeah not in any uh, priority but killing orcs was definitely my priority. <laughs> Yep, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not actually in charge of the army, Dave, so it's okay. I am. I am. Well, no, Helbrecht was there. He, yeah, exactly. he, he trumps me. <laughs> we set the battlefield up so that I deployed my whole orc force on the cathedral in my corner. We played like a vanguard strike, I think it's called in the rule book. I, I mean, it's, it's the diagonal. The, the diagonal one. We just called it the diagonal one. I, I tried to look it up. Um, and Dave had the landing pad in his deployment zone to represent kind of the insertion point for the black templars and in their little thunderhawk yes and well i assume if, if i owned one <laughs> oh god yeah could you imagine at least it's a black out of the spray can dave so you'll be all oh, right yeah it'd be perfect um so we set it up like that to theme it around what we wanted to represent yeah then we, we did a roll off for first turn yeah, got got first turn. I think it's right that the Black Templars took the initiative in this one. They really were taking the fight to the Orcs. Yeah, well, in in theory, but well, uh, I mean that was that was my first turn. I, I rushed everyone forward. Did you take the fight to the Orcs, Dave? Well, I, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, but my shooting sucked. I could not hit a bundle with a banjo. It was <laughs> useless. Anti-infantry against vehicles were hitting like nobody oh, were. Business. Yeah, couldn't wound obviously because they're anti-infantry. Um, Heavy weapons couldn't hit, couldn't hit at all. And I like that a lot of it came down to the minus one from moving and firing a heavy weapon, which is 
was one of my favourite changes moving into eighth. That instead of this stupid snap shooting, I mean the vehicles never suffered, but like the snap shooting idea of, of hardly ever hitting. Now that minus one just takes the edge off your heavy weapons when you move, and and it really well it really helps when you can't roll a four up. Yeah, statistics aside, <laughs> I mean, several times during that first turn, you were like, oh, do I really want to move far forward? Yeah, I need to take the fight to the enemy, so you move forward, but you did actually have to end up paying a price for that in, in terms of, of successful hits with your LAS cannons, etc. Or, or lack of there. Or, or complete failure to hit, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it, was, it felt, it felt uh, painful on the other side of the battlefield, watching you just fluff roll after roll, but then... Sometimes that happens, right? So Well, let's, let's not be around the bush. Exactly the same thing happened yep. in your first turn. And I can't <laughs> complain because it balanced everything out. <laughs> yep, the, my, my shooting phase. I mean, you expect a crap shooting phase with orcs anyway, unless you've gone for the million big shooters, etc., because they're, at some point, volume of dice wins. But, like, you know, I, I, I completely fluffed with my kill cannons on my battle wagons, and every, every gun that could have done something I didn't. Think, well, out of three kill cannons over the, I think we played... <clears throat> the first turn they missed... We played three turns. I think you hit once. I hit once across the whole game. Yeah. With, with yeah, one one hit, not one round of hitting. One hit. Yep. They were abysmal. However, the Mega Dread, which is the Forge World big Death Dread with the massive cannon and the and the and the, and the spinning saw arm, uh, ruined um, some some bikes, which was fun. Um, they were hiding around the corner. They were. It was a Jurassic Park puddle <laughs> moment. <laughs> Vibrating puddle. What the f- is that? Yes. That thing's horrible. Like, it's a bit hit and miss on success so far when I've played with it, but uh, when it hits, it hits like an absolute freight train. Whenever we've played, I've tried to kill it right off the bat. Which is maybe Succe- why it hasn't done much. <laughs> Succeeded first, first game, and yeah, this game. Yeah, and, and, and the Orcs are a work in progress army for me because they're only, only half painted, but I did get to try their new stratagem for the first time in that first term, and it was okay. It's the more DACA stratagem, which I think is... They gave Orcs one stratagem, right? And uh, I think it's a massive flavour hit in terms of Orcs are happy to squeeze the trigger until all the bullets are gone <laughs> um, and just point it vaguely at their enemy. So the, the rule is on a six up, on a six or higher to hit, you get to make an extra shot. Essentially what flash kits have as a unit-wide thing. Yeah, they get a, on a six. They roll at a the six, end of the shooting phase. So they can thing, shoot yeah. again. So it's kind of like a... I think there are a couple of like other stratagems for armies or like warlord traits that do something similar but i think grimaldus uh, gives it to black timbers actually yes in combat that's right Mm. but it it wasn't very good because yeah i wrote a couple of sixes because you're always gonna a couple of sixes but it's an extra shot not like it counts as an extra hit when you're hitting on fives and sixes anyway like a couple of extra shots doesn't really translate into any extra firepower so i felt like for one command point and i used it on the looters as well i didn't really do that much well you rolled a you rolled a one for how many shots they get so i re-rolled that with a command point i think but yeah i mean they did a bunch of shooting i think they got two shots each at the, at the, at the end results it's 20 shots and then i got a couple of extra a couple of sixes oh, yeah. a couple of extra shots but it didn't really do much so no. it was a bit meh but i think that was just turn one was a bit meh to be honest well i mean when when the orcs <clears throat> finally get their codex they'll oh yeah they'll can't have, wait what, 20 <clears throat> strategies i might actually finish from. painting the army when they get their codex yeah. but well, don't hold get, me to that <laughs> get a battalion get even more command points like i oh, yeah, this that's one. true I, 10 command points. You had 10 command points, which was impressive. Yeah. I mean, it was, what, the battalion and two detachments. So, yeah, the t- uh, like Vanguard and... Vanguard and Outrider. Yeah, so you were throwing them around left, right and centre, which was 
good. Yeah, I, I went for because the theme was to rush at the orcs, so I, I themed my army basically around a, a quick insertion, quick moving force. So I had almost well, I had three five man tactical squads, two of which were in the land raider rushing forward, and I tried to put I had the bikes, the scout bikes, the two dreadnoughts running forward, a drop pod. I was just basically charging this trap. So I completely changed my army list from what I normally play mm. to theme it to the game which is another good thing to do with a narrative game it makes you use models you hadn't used some of those models for the stern guard hardly ever well, the thunder hammer stem short storm shield terminators you hadn't mm. used those in eighth so way too ex- well i'd say they're way too expensive they're really good yeah but for the way i play my army i like having lots of other things yeah we'll move on to turn two because this game is a good reminder that turn two is the turn in eighth edition i think yeah it's when everything really kicks off yeah i mean i had turn two for the ages oh didn't you oh yeah, I mean, the drop pod turned up, the stone guard Which is always out. nice. Stone guard got out, did sod all. Yeah. But that's Remembered what, why I don't take them. That's what, yeah. But, uh, I mean, we won't go blow by blow, because a lot happened, but there were some real quality moments. The sergeant throwing a crack grenade into the burner bomber as he flew past. Yeah, because and... <laughs> the, the, the models, they were in a building, and so the model was positioned like at the same height, and I just have this image that he just underarms this crack grenade through like the, the cockpit, the, the cockpit, and the, the orc's like trying to try to scrabble <laughs> around, <laughs> pick it up, and throw it back out again when it goes off. Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, yeah, that was fun. And you, you didn't have so much other success with crack grenades, though, did you, oh, Dave? Johnny Crack Grenade, the <clears throat> sergeant that... I mean, if he'd survived the game, he would have been... <clears throat> well, he would have been tossed out into space. Yeah, so just to set the scene, there was like a massive crush in the middle of the battlefield, which was, again, thematic. It was your your land raider, Hellbrecht, and all of his buddies it versus... about 2,000 points <laughs> out of the 4,000 points on the table. Yeah, uh, versus um, Gasgul and his mega knob bodyguard in their transports driving at each other and you really wanted that charge didn't you well it was down to what one wound so the battle wagon was on one wound left so yeah. so yeah i died to, done a load of wounds pinged a load of wounds off because they're scary i mean they have the same number of wounds as a, a land raider but they all be at a four up save they got a four up save but they're like half the price so you expect that yeah so so they are easier to kill but i'd got it down to one hole point or one, <laughs> one wound, wound. so well, actually, you suggested it. It was like, my... <laughs> throw a crack grenade, Dave. What's worse that could happen? Look, if you're going to fire a bolt pistol at a vehicle, always throw a crack grenade. You yeah. wanted to destroy it. I, I did want to destroy it, but... You didn't want it to explode, did you? I did not want it to explode, and I did not want it to explode with the consequences that happened from this explosion. Oh, it was epic. It exploded, wiped out almost one squad of marines. So it's wiped out four guys from one squad of marines. Yeah, because it's the land raider equivalent for orcs. It has the big blow-up event, yep. which is in within six inches, it's D6 mortal wounds to every unit. Roll quite well. Yeah, so uh, you pretty much killed off one squad of marines, uh, yep. down to one sergeant, yep. Johnny Crack Grenade himself. But you should have taken him as a casualty, I, really. I should have oh, no, I wanted him to uh, face the wrath of whatever came out. <laughs> Yeah, two marines from the the other squads. The emperor's champion nearly um, died. Yeah, nearly died. Down to one wound. Your contemptor was caught in the blast as well. Yeah, took a few wounds off him. Took five wounds off your other battle wagon that was nearby. Yeah, but that was all I suffered, and I think it was well well worth it for the. I think I killed a can, caught a bit of shrapnel. But... I think it was <clears> oh, a wound inside I, I didn't... to the guys inside. Yeah, so this is this is what was hilarious when a vehicle blows up. Like it blew up in this massive <laughs> off explosion that. that killed marines left right and center but the guys inside you only roll once for each model and on a one the unit takes a mortal wound so i think i took two mortal wounds but they were mega knobs they have three wounds each so yep. one guy got out with a couple of face scratches 
despite the fact that his vehicle had basically erupted into a massive ball of fire. I mean, it, they're, they're, they're encased in iron, right? You've seen those mega armor balls. <laughs> like, there's barely any flesh on show. They just got out to a crater uh, <laughs> in the middle of this battlefield. Ridiculous. I think <clears throat> you took a before and after picture. Yes, it was very painful for you. It was, yeah, all from my crack grenade. Yeah. Which, for the listeners out there, again, Rich suggested it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was redunculous. It was my, t- like- my turn killed half my army. Well, what it felt like, model-wise, it, it felt like it killed half my army. Yeah, and then... And then on top of that, Mega Nobs and the war boss got out. I got use out. the Gazgul Thracker rules to represent the, the war boss because they're really good. <laughs> I need the points to make to make up for what they've had. The Contemptor was hilarious because it had been reduced to one wound, which you were really peeved about. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's going to be rubbish now. It's going to be rubbish. It's not going to do anything. Bro. And it just basically shanked uh, a battle wagon to pieces because twelve wounds. Yeah, it hit. It hit. It was all hit on fives. It, all of its attacks hit. All yep. of them wounded. You don't get a save, and it just turned that <laughs> battle wagon to scrap, which Swish. was pretty epic. Because like you modelled it with that cool dread knight sword, and I just had this image like he literally cut the battle wagon in half. <laughs> Thankfully, it was empty, so there were no orcs <laughs> to fall out say. of it. Um, and it didn't explode, which is good for you. Well, with one um, wound left, it would have been insta-kill. But yeah. Yeah, I, I was so glad. When you <clears throat> when you rolled the one for the explosion <clears throat> result, I was so happy. Yeah, and, and once again, ironclad dreadnoughts. People underestimate them. And, and I remember that game you played against our other friend, Dave, where you were like, oh, it's just an ironclad, and it went around ruining your army because oh, that was a seismic hammer. There's a flat five damage. It was it was killing Starweavers left, right, and centre yeah. from Harlequins. And, and, and in this game, it boldly, boldly charged that Mega Dread. Yeah. Because that thing's nasty. So I failed to hit twice. So bearing in mind he's only got two hits through, yeah. 10 wounds from his yeah. flat five damage. Plus they are, I mean, you used him as the carrier for that ability, or carrier, for the ability Wisdom of the Ancients. Yes. So you can spend a command point stratagem, and it gives them the ability of being a captain, so the re-roll ones to hit. Not that it helped. Not that it helped, but but, like, I think it's a cool option. This is why, like... I've never used it before, because I've never had the command points to do it. Yeah, and... and I've I've always used command points for re-rolls and interrupting combat. To have an extra two is, well, essentially four, because of the other two detachments as well. You could just start using all these cool stratagems like that. To, to get a little better. And you don't mind taking a risk on whether it matters or not because you've got quite a lot of command points. And in the end, I mean, he just straight up smashed 10 wounds, taking it down to basically one wound and, and barely functional. Don't underestimate Ironclads. Mm, it's really good. I mean, he didn't live very long because that Mecha Dread is, even on the, the, his lowest profile, is a wrecking ball. Well, yeah, he turned around and shanked him in the face. Yeah, like, just cut him in half with the circular saw. But yeah. doing 10 wounds just out of nowhere as well because he was... Because he has a hurricane bolt, he's very much anti-infantry. Apart from you drove your battle wagons the other way. Yeah. Got, got all your squishy guys out the other way. Doing ten, ten wounds. I was, I was really surprised with that. And yeah. I'll, I'll it was, it was a, him. a brutal turn and they, it kind of left the, the mega knobs and, and the war boss facing off against Hellbrecht and his, his buddies. Yes. Unfortunately, it was then your turn. It was then my turn to to, to do the charge. But, like, we had the option. I mean, they all have combi scorchers or custom scorchers. So they're a shooter and a heavy flamer. Mm. I I mean, we we talked about it, and it wouldn't be fun for me to position the models and flame all your characters. Because those heavy flamers are horrendous. Which I appreciated. Um, So they tried to burn out the land raider, which they couldn't because it's a (laughs) land raider. And then, I mean, I had a bit of a crap shooting phase after that. But again, orcs, you don't expect, expect much. But then the big clash happens with the... The warlord uh, uh, on warlord action. Oh yeah, and the mega knobs charging into the poor old emperor's champion and, and his mates. And I think this comes down to the command point buff again because by this stage of the the game, you're usually down to like a 
a handful of command points, yeah, but you I still think... had like six or something. So I, I think really you were down to two. I was down to one or two, yeah. and you had like six. So I really had to worry about the stratagem, the core stratagem of interrupting combat. Yes, um, two command points you can go even after someone's <clears throat> charged. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I, I fought with Gasgill or the war, the war, the war boss first to to try and slice Helbrecht in half with his eight attacks or whatever it was, the seven attacks of what he has on the charge, the the, the war boss, and yeah, it turns out that Iron Halo is really good. It, well, and suddenly all my four pluses turned up. I, I think that's where I used one of my command points, because I had so many, so yeah, I again, passed three, re-rolled one, passed that one as well, just yeah, no damage whatsoever. You could be so much really more good. liberal with the re-rolls, which is what's really good. Yes, yeah, because usually, usually when you've got what six command points you use up three in the first turn and yep. then you've got three for the rest of the game and then you have to be really choosy about what you choose to re-roll and mm. whether it's worth it but like you said i still had about six left throwing them around yeah great. I, was, it was, I could re-roll that and i didn't mind yeah. worked out in my favor obviously yeah also i massively underestimated how good he would be in combat because i'm like oh, he's got a sword so he's not going to be that devastating but that sword is strength I have taken him in 8th edition once, and he was in the side of a Land Raider for most of the game, and came out and fought a vehicle or something. So I'd never really used him properly in anger, but my god, is he good in combat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he he's against Gaz... Well, I mean, obviously it was a war boss, but Gasgul's The rules, rules. of Gasgul's Thraka. He was against Gasgul. He chopped four wounds off him in the, that, that combat phase alone because his sword does D3 damage as well. So strength six. It, strength six, D3. I mean, it, it can pile on the damage quite quickly. Yep. I mean, your other guys didn't fare very well. They got run through. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Emperor's Champion. You did the you did do the interrupt combat. Yes, yeah. I, I did attack with the Emperor's Champion. I think he was a bit... He was still reeling from the explosion uh, that <laughs> almost caused his costly demise. That was... But yeah. you got to... I mean, I, I remember you, cut, you used it to cut down a, a Mega Knob which then meant there's a lot less attacks coming back. And I think that's where that stratagem really comes into its own. It's like sometimes you know because you've been charged, your opponent's picked what to charge, right? So they know what they're going to be able to kill. But yeah, you, you, can, you, can, you can use it to like do damage limitation and sometimes let characters live or, I mean, not for the Empress Champion in this case, but like other things. You can use it to kind of... He was going to die. I knew he was going to die because he had all the Mega Knob attacks coming back at him. I thought, play the stratagem. He's going to die anyway. I've got the <laughs> command points to do it. Yep. Attack back. Well, I say for free for two command points. I get to actually attack with him rather yep. than just dying anyway. So, yeah, it, it was worth it. I did, I did manage to kill off one of them as well. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing that I thought was interesting that you took is you took the Space Marine Banner Bearer. The, the... Emperor Ascendant. So, usually I take the Crusader's Helm, which is... The Black Templar specific relic, which increases the bubble effect of the wearer yep. um, from a six inch bubble to a nine inch bubble. So it essentially adds on three inches to bubble effects. So chaplains, lieutenants, captains. Getting a total of 18 inches is, is a lot for a lot of their, their ability buffs. Yeah, so usually I take it on my lieutenant to have a nine inch bubble of re rolling ones uh, mm. to wound. But uh, no, this time I took the banner of the Emperor Ascendant. So it's. On a chapter ancient, so the the chapter ancient for those who don't know is on a four up when one of your models dies, they get to shoot with one of their weapons or fight with one attack as if it was their shooting or fight phase. Yep. What the Emperor's Ascendant banner does is has a bubble of always automatically passing morale tests, which actually worked really yeah, well in this one when explosion. explosion. <laughs> and it minuses one... 
mine as well, right? Or your opponents? Uh, yes. Yeah, so you're at minus one leadership as well for the same bubble. But what it also does is adds one to that four up fight again or shoot again. So they're on a three up, mm. which worked out quite well because I rolled quite a lot of threes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the Emperor's Champion, when he got killed, got to lash out with his sword. And if I remember rightly, cut down another yeah. Mega Knob. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool relic to take and I, I like that with the relics and, and again you've got loads of command points so you could say actually i'll spend one command point to take an extra relic yep which sometimes can be feel like a massive cost if you've got a lot of command points go from 10 to 9 no yeah. biggie yeah get, get the helm as well i mean if you, if you really wanted to so it gives you a lot of options and yeah i think if we move on to turn three i think a lot of the the guts have been ripped out of both armies by this point, and we were kind of yeah, I mean, scrabbling. Turn and, and three, it then... was very bloody. <clears throat> this was turn three, and there wasn't a lot left on the on the board. <clears throat> no, but then I'd forgotten you had Terminators in reserve. Aha! <laughs> oh boy. Deep striking in. No, sorry, teleporting in. Teleporting. With the Black Templar army trait of re-rolling charges. Managed to re-roll a charge, got into... Well, it was my last battle wagon at that point. Your last one, yeah. So I had six wounds left, I think it had. So I charged with uh, this Terminator squad that turned up. Did it. Overkilled it massively because Thunderhammers are ridiculously good. Flat I mean, I, three damages. Yeah, I, I raved about guys. them after that game versus Nick and, and they really are good in, in eighth. Like that flat freeze. Or Mega Knobs. Oh yeah, I was terrified about them fighting my Mega Knobs. <laughs> <laughs> just just insta-killing them per wound, basically. Or... Yeah, they killed the Battle Wagon actually really well. And then uh, War Loss and loads of Knobs spilled out of it, which was a bit scary, especially as it headed into your turn. Yes, I mean, the, uh, the other thing to note is that the, uh, the, the heroic moment, I, I did like the lieutenant and the chaplain just charged into the chapel Ooh. on its own, on their own, yep. um, from their drop pod insertion, and cut their way through flash kits. Uh, flash kits which you're terrified of after the time that they multi-shot your twice and again you rolled a six and they shot again oh, yes yeah, so on man. a six they shoot twice but um yeah they're, they're very squishy but when they shoot they shoot yeah and uh those those two guys just murdered their way through that unit <laughs> the heroes of the the imperium right they should be able to do stuff like that but the, again the chaplain's crozius was just smashing them for two because it's two damage yep the two win models just, just, just yeah made a mess i did like the we forgot to mention your storm talon the most underrated unit in a space marine codex oh, i think it's so good yeah every time i take <clears> it it does something really well so i take it with the twin assault cannon and the two las cannons for a hundred and oh, i can't remember how many points it is but that loadout is done me well every single time i've taken it yeah because in this game it was able to las cannon up a battle wagon, a battle wagon and then it's it's assault cannon just hosed all of my looters and just murdered them in one foul swoop. Yeah, it was hovering, wasn't it? It was, it was in hovering, hover mode, yeah. so it just sort of rose up to their level on the building and just rinsed their, rinsed them. Oh, I was reeling from that because those those assault cannons are nasty. Just twelve. twelve shots. Yeah, I mean, well, with with eighth edition, the ability to split fire, yeah. especially with something like the storm talon that has an anti infantry and an anti tank yeah. gun. <laughs> It's brilliant, and yeah, they are so underrated. So turn because that t- turn two saw you essentially reclaim the chapel at yeah. this point. So you'd succeeded in story mission one of taking back the chapel. I, I and, cleansed, I cleansed that Xenos. And we, I mean, we only played three turns because of time in the end. But the, I mean, the third turn kind of saw to your other mission of killing all the orcs because all I had left at that point was Gasgill in combat with your. Helbrecht, yeah. You're with Helbrecht and, and, and the banner bearer and the knobs that had gotten out, the battle wagon that had yeah. up. Essentially, so, they, they were the two mm, areas of interest. Those are left, all I had left. Left on the board. Um, but those knobs did put in some work. The, the, the charge against the Terminators was, was rough. 
You didn't even get to attack with your power claws. No, the power claws didn't even need to roll to attack because those Uge choppers are damaged too. And Terminators have two wounds. a horrible <laughs> mess of the Terminators. Because they're, they're AP minus one, but because you get a shed load of attacks with the, the knobs, you, you pile on the attacks, make them take saves, and every failure was a dead Terminator. And they just butchered those uh, the, the Thunderhammer Stormshield Terminators because even if you get a 3-up invun save you fail a few and suddenly the whole unit was I should have spent a command point to uh, turn on their Stormshields <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you can't start making up strategies Dave yeah not mid-game but uh, yeah they, they didn't turn on their Stormshields oh, and God, were no. murdered in the street <clears throat> yeah I mean like we said you didn't even need to use the power claws because those OG choppers just talk they... of uh, murdered in the street though poor old Warboss oh yeah Hellbrecht as we oh, mentioned Hellbrecht earlier sword. is a beast, especially when you hit with everything and wound with everything and do D3 damage with each one. I mean, he's one of those characters that, you know, like most characters, hits on a two and has some form of re-roll, so he almost always hits all the time. But yeah, because Jeff he's Blaster, got that yeah. extra strength, because he gives himself plus one strength, his sword gives him plus one strength, he can convert so many of those into wounds. Like, he can chop his way through a lot of stuff. Well, G- Gaskell's big defense <clears throat> is he's toughness six. That, yeah. I mean, he's got the invun save and he's got, it's got... Eight wounds. He's got decent armor save, but... The fact that he's toughness six makes him stand out from the crowd. Yeah. And when you're strength six, suddenly turning fives into fours is a is a big big, big difference. Th- yeah. Yeah. And um, um, yeah, he just cut that guy's head straight off. Yep. Just <coughs> completely beheaded Gasgill, which was great for story reasons. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> for me, good. I mean, it, it left me with my second in command, War Boss, and his knob retinue fleeing the fleeing the scene, tactically so. retreating. They're orcs. <laughs> it's the old orc adage of if they win they win if they lose they flee and fight another day to win so it's, it's a win-win for them yeah so essentially the end game was the templars had purged this xenos scum from the chaplain shrine you've got the lieutenant and the chaplain desperately scrubbing like, like the council workers trying to get graffiti off the off the sides of the chapel yeah orcs don't do graffiti with paint though mate no <laughs> let's leave it there family show but yeah and then your, your war boss, second in command, survived, ran off to wage war somewhere else. So his, his bloodlust was satisfied with those Terminators. He's yeah. off to fight another day. So now we'll have to decide if he if he goes on to invade some other poor yeah. sector or if the Black Templars chase him down. We'll have to have a think about that one. But the actual the actual score, if it, uh, it was actually 16-15, so incredibly close game. Yeah, it really was, actually, because the cause the kill points and the objective grabbing, it added up quite quite quick, and there were turns where I think one turn you got like seven victory points because you grabbed a couple of objectives and just slaughtered your way through a bunch of stuff, and it, it, was, a re- it was really good to see that you could catch up like that. And, and, and the mixture of kill points and objectives was thematic, but also mm. fun, because I remember kill points used to be a ball ache. Because you you just get punished because of your army choices, but this lets you grab the big army with loads of units can grab the objectives, but pays for it in kill points. So it was a, it was a really good balance, and again, a really good flavorful game. Yeah, it was, it was great and lived up to Black Templars Orcs round two one and one rematch now. one and one. We got to go for the we got to go for the best of three now. Oh yeah, well no no we'll just leave it there. <laughs> Don't be afraid, Dave. So we wanted to get into talking about game tracking because there are a lot of different ways you can do this and there are a lot of different tools and tips to help during the game but also like other things, some other items that you can have along with your gaming box. I suppose I have a little case that I carry everything in. It just makes life easier. But for, te- for technology, I think that the place we all start and I think a lot of people use is some form of list writing tool. We're big users of Battlescribe because yep. it's really good. Yeah, and I think iOS has Quartermaster as well. Yeah, I used to use Quartermaster. I haven't upgraded to the new version 
of late, I've just been continually using Battlescribe, but I know people who do use it. So that those sort of digital army writing tools, I think, are really handy because I mean, you used to write army lists in pen and paper. Yeah. But now you or have crayons. As, uh, oh God, don't that even... one campaign weekend in <clears throat> McDonald's. <laughs> So to clarify, one campaign weekend we went to, I may have forgotten to write my army lists that you're supposed to submit in advance, and I may have had to write them on the back of a McDonald's kids puzzle menu. You did with look a crayon. bit special. <laughs> I had temporarily forgotten about that, Dave. Thank you for bringing that moment back. No it was worries. Priceless. <laughs> I advise not to use crayons on kids' paper. It yeah. does not go well when you submit it to Warhammer. <laughs> <laughs> But the staff looking at you like if oh you're just God. playing a game at home and you, all you've got to hand are your kids crayons and a bit of paper then go ahead and use them but yeah I, I do remember we used to always write army lists on pen and paper but mm. the, I think now you get so many unit options so many weapon options and everything costs different points especially with the way they've set up 8th edition now that the points are at the back and they change I think having a digital tool like that to, to help keep track of it and, and not screw up the numbers um, really helps another good thing about having I mean I can't speak for Quartermaster because I use Battlescribe but the way you can look up the unit entry really quickly without having to go into your codex because uh, Battlescribe's yeah. got the built-in sort of view roster um, yeah and it's 99% feature. correct so for a friendly game I'd take that I mean if, yeah. you were, if you're playing at Warhammer World or at your store have your codex because yeah, it's just polite yeah, for games at home you can just run everything off of Battlescribe for the, just, for just the core for... rules and then have the Codex is available for your stratagems, etc. Yeah, I mean, I, I use it for quick reference, like, oh, I'm shooting this assault cannon. It's, Remind yourself it just how many. Yeah, has it got eight, eight shots or, or 12 shots? And I, I used to use another cool tool for tracking during the game called, it was called Adjutant, which was made by the same people that made Quartermaster, but I haven't seen it available on the iTunes app store so maybe it's gone but it used to let you track victory points as the game went on mm-hmm. which is cool because you could add victory points for objectives you could tick it for first blood or slay the warlord or linebreaker and stuff like that and it had the mission each mission's points requirements so what you could get points for was listed so it was really handy mm. but workshops keep saying they're going to do an app to help 40k so maybe that comes in the future it's probably in development so but what we use or i use that uh, at home is just a i bought a five pound magnetic whiteboard from wilco bunch of magnets and a marker pen and we just draw up a grid on this on the whiteboard for how many command points we've got left and how many victory points and we use the magnets to hold all of the objective cards yep down the side and any like twists and stuff across the top and it just takes it all off the table it's just it's just on the wall next to the board so it's quick reference we can see each other's victory points how many command points left and our objectives if we're using the tactical objectives as well it's it's really good for quick reference how many times have you picked up the turn marker dice and rolled it for something to then sort of face palm because you've just forgotten what turn number you're on so having it all off the table clears the table up and it gets it error free I suppose that's a very physical way of doing it. You were a big fan of using your, your codexes on your tablet after today, right? Because it was so, it was so you, you were juggling your book and your this and your that. And yeah, then. I recently got an iPad. I had a sort of small tablet before, but I didn't really use it for codexes because it wasn't really, it's going to sound really pretentious, but it wasn't really big enough. But I've got an iPad now and I can scroll through the books. So I've got the Thousand Suns Codex on there. I've got the Necron Codex on there. I've got the Space Marine Codex on there. A, I don't have to carry around books, especially if I'm, I mean, if I were to use multiple detachments, I don't have to have a Space Marine book. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll use your list, a Space Marine book, the Death Watch book, the Grey Knight book. I don't have to carry them all around with me or quick reference yep. between the two. I can just switch out the book on the on the iPad, looking at one screen, just make sure it's charged up, obviously. 
<laughs> Not they last that long. But yeah, no, and you can search. The search function is massive because how long do you waste trying to find the data entry for something when you can just search it or bookmark it if you know you're going to use it? Unless you've forgotten the name of it. Yeah, well, then that's always an issue. But yeah, it's just, it's just a, a nice little... I mean, you don't have to do it. Again, it's a, it's a nice little effort saver. Yeah. The data cards are good as well. Like, you can buy Workshop's data cards to have on hand. Yeah, I, I've, got, I've got the Thousand Suns one. So they, they give you the, the tactical objectives. They give you the psychic powers. They give you the um, the different disciplines and the warlord traits. It's really, really handy. So you've got them in front of you. You don't forget it. Yeah. Um, especially something like a, a warlord trait. Yeah. Or what power's got. What? I mean, it's like the old psychic cards from 7th edition. Yeah. It's the same same sort of principle, but they've combined them with everything else. Yeah, they're, they're really useful. And, and data sheets. I mean, if you've got a digital copy of the codex, you could just print out the data sheets that you're going to use for this game or, or you use in your core army and have them to hand. And if you have the codex, then nothing to stop you scanning pages that are relevant, printing them into a little booklet. Mm-hmm. or maybe just printing out the stratagems that you know you're going to be able to use. There's no point printing out the kill shot stratagem for Space Marines if you don't have three Predators. Yep. Just have the ones that you can have access to. It kind of trims it down and takes your mind off having to do too much paperwork, basically. Especially with the uh, increased command points now. You've actually got the command points to utilise them. You can use them so much more. Yeah. Them, yeah. And, and as far as like technology goes, if you are playing regularly, go out there and get a £3 uh, laser pointer from mm-hmm. eBay. It solved many, many line-of-sight discussions in about three seconds because you just put it directly behind the model and waving it around, you can see exactly what windows the model can see through without having to bend down or, or try and get to be able to see through a building. It's For a couple of quid, It was uh, it's actually made such a difference to speeding up playing the game. Yeah, I mean, we use it at least once a game, especially when you can't get your head down because you risk being impaled on a spike or a... Imperials love their spikes, mate. It's oh, all over the terrain. God. Yeah, the number of times I've bashed an elbow or speared my temple with uh, yep. <laughs> with a spike while trying to get down onto the table to see line of sight and if someone can see through a, a gap. So yeah, that, that laser point is, is brilliant. It's been good. And the other pickup recently was, because uh, I love my gaming gadgets, was um, some special wound marker dice from a website called Minibits. Yes. They're yeah. like five mil dice. They're tiny little things. You can read them clearly enough, but they sit in like a little laser cut MDF frame that holds them on the face that they're supposed to be on. They're really small, and so they fit on models. Yeah, and you put and them bases, on. You put them yeah. on. The good thing is you can put them on your vehicles. Yep. Like for infantry, you just stick a dice next to it in a different color. It's easy. But like on a vehicle, there's very few flat surfaces. But these dice being tiny and having a little frame they fit in means that, I mean, you just stick them on top of a vehicle and you never have to worry about knocking it over or forgetting what wounds it's it's got left on it. Well, a land land raider's got sixteen wounds. You're not going to stick three massive dice no, you're next not. to it whereas these tiny little ones yeah makes life really easy and, and there's no mistaking them for other dice as well you're not going to pick them up and they were, they were like a pound something for 10 which is but you only need like to get two sets and that's you done for all the vehicles or, or monsters in your army whatever exactly, and it, it's, yeah. it's dead easy you know? yeah they well, fit in a little tub we use it every time we play each other so yeah it's been really good thinking of tips should we go on to the hobby tips because i'm quite excited to talk about the uh, blood effects yes because you've been using them on your nurgle haven't you i have yeah i, I came to think of the th- there's three different ways that I've done blood effects before. Some of them have come out really well and people have asked me how to do them. Other ones are ones everybody knows and we'll start with that is use blood for the blood god. Like it's £2.50 a pot or whatever it works out to be and it's really, really good. Yeah, so I, I saw your blood letters earlier and... Do you mean plague bearers, Dave? Plague bearers, <laughs> blood letters. I'm getting... you got blood on the brain now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not literally, <laughs> so, don't need to I'll call a hospital. <laughs> 
but yeah, no, I saw the Plague Bearer earlier, and yeah, no, it looks really, really good. Because I've I've always used. I mean, I can see in your notes you've got uh, the Tamiya Clear. Is it Clear? We'll get onto that one. Yeah, so it's a good product. Uh, so that's what I've always used. But yeah, Blood for the Blood Gods Workshop sort of brought it out with, oh, with the new sort of technical paint technical paint range yeah. they call it yeah and they've really knocked it out of the park with that because you put it on any surface and it, it really does look like blood like it's really convincing like you can flick it on weapons and stuff to get like the splatter effect or or streak it but I mean, I've just used it on the plague bearers for all the open wounds and I didn't need to undercoat it with any colour I just painted blood for the blood got into the wounds and it looks like seeping blood oh okay so you didn't have to undercoat it with red or anything nope, like that just straight with it. it's got a lot of red pigment in it Oh. Uh, or red, red, red colouring in it. I don't think it's like it's not granular or anything. It's it's very smooth, mm. so it works well. I mean, if you want something that looks really good, then what we're going on to is Tamiya Clear. That the Tamiya Clear it comes in a little glass pot. They sell it in Hobbycraft, yeah, or, or you can buy it online. It's it's kind of like a gloopy, see-through red gel almost. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's it, kind of weird because Blood for Blood got really easy to apply, but the Tamiya stuff dries really quickly on your palette, mm. and it's very gelatinous and it actually does i use it straight out of the pot because of yeah. that and it, I mean, it melts the paint underneath it as well so you have to apply a layer let it dry apply a layer let it dry but the what you can do with it that looks really awesome is to mix other colors in with it for like less fresh looking blood mm-hmm. um browns to sort of look dry browns to make it look dried or if you really want to make it pop the is add blue ink or blue wash Ooh. yeah because the blue effect makes it look more purpley and a blackened blood so it looks like really old dried blood or different <clears> types of blood or different types of blood and, and, the, and the, the tamiya clear in a th- it's really weird stuff it's in a thin layer it dries with kind of a glossy effect mm-hmm. but if you really gloop it on and let it go very very dry it actually goes kind of like a scabby it looks really scabby it goes that sort of matte dried look okay so it, it, but you have to like really gollop it on and then hope it doesn't drip basically <laughs> so you can do quite a lot with it Right. Um, and I don't know if you've seen people do the stringy blood effects a lot on, on, on fancy model painting. Yeah. And it's, it's not really great for... It's usually with like chaos uh, monsters mm. from yes. like fancy range or yeah, uh, Tyranid, Tyranid Gribblies. Tyranid yeah. Bio Gribblies, yeah. Mm. I mean, it works best in an enclosed space as in like in a mouth or something like that because it's not very strong. you got point to point. Yeah, yeah, point to point. And you can't have it hanging off a weapon because it'll just break. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what you do is you mix um, Yoohoo Glue... You know, the yellow Yoohoo tube of so glue. That's... Yoohoo glue, so it's kind of like a clear glue that comes in a, in a metal tube. It's clear or amber, yellowy coloured. Right. I'll try and look up what other country brands are called and sort of put that up on the webpage. Mm. It's like a contact adhesive. Right. But it's you don't have to... Is it more trade then? <clears throat> yeah, no, it's like a craft one. So like a clear tube, metal tube craft glue would work because what happens is it, it starts to go all stringy as it dries you know the glue it's basically like a glue where you wherever any glue you think of that comes out of a tube and when you pull the tube away you get that string of glue like a glue gun almost almost like a glue gun effect but yeah. not not a hot melt plastic and, and you mix that with an ink or a tamiya clear or your blood or like some sort of red paint and you mix it together and then you touch it onto one part of the model and then you string onto the other part of the model. Right. Um, which is why it's good in mouths from like teeth to teeth or like tentacles in in, a, in you know, I'm looking at your moon to left vortex piece. You could add more stringy tentacles if you really wanted to go crazy with it. Yeah. And you can do different colours as well. Mm. But it, it adds to that sort of like dripping blood like if they just cut someone's head off with a sword it would drip onto the base or something. You could you can do that in a 
on a model that isn't going to get handled too much. I've seen it more on display pieces. Haven't I? Yeah, but I mean, you could get away with it on a gaming piece uh, if it was like in the middle of the model and, and not likely to be touched much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that pretty much wraps up for this episode. Like I said at the top of the show, you can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Floorhammer Podcast. Go to the website, floorhammerpodcast.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple, uh, iTunes or Google Play. Yeah, and I'm going to get some of the pictures that I took of our game up on there. And, and I'll definitely put some links up to the to the products mentioned in the hobby tips so that other people can get an idea of where, what to get. And if it's not in the UK, then I'll try and find some, some parallel products from, from other countries. Perfect. Right. See you guys next time. Thanks very much. Thanks very much.